You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. Today's guest is Sasha Skutskord, the CSO at Timelock. What is really important is to understand, I've kind of split it up in some different areas. What is the aim for me in the first week? Welcome to another episode of the SAS Nordic podcast. Really happy that you are tuning in once again. And today we will talk about the challenges and the opportunities when it comes to do onboarding in a really good way in order to get your people up and running as soon as possible. Yeah, definitely. And I think if, if you are a manager or if you're an aspiring manager, it's, it's one of the toughest things to hire on time and to get these hires to produce in a sufficient and short enough time. And that's a, that's a really difficult nugget for many of us. I mean, I've had this challenge for, for years and I don't think I ever mastered it, but there is a way that's good and then there's a bad way. Yeah. We will talk to sales leader and hear about how she has implemented this in her sales organization. But if you work in another field, the marketing product, something else, I think you will find that there's a lot of good things here that you can apply in your organization as well. So let's get to it and get on with the talk. Today we are joined by Sasha Skutskold, the CSO, Chief Sales Officer at Time log. So welcome, Sasha, to the SAS Nordic podcast. Thank you very much. It's great to have you with us in this format as well. So you're a little bit of an all-time uh, favorite here. You've been at one of our previous SASIS shows. You're one of what we call the content contributors. I know there's a great piece coming from you soon. Yes. And now we have you in the podcast. I mean, it's, it's a full circle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm delighted to be here. I've been following you guys since the beginning. And I love what you guys are doing. So it's, I'm just really happy to be here on the show. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. So for the ones listening, if they don't know you yet, how would you describe yourself? Who is Sasha? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I, you can say I've been born and raised in Timelock, more or less. I've been here for 15 years. So I'm 38. So uh, when I say that, people tend to uh, lift an eyebrow like 15 years. <laughs> um, so <laughs> yeah, it's a long time now. Um, but in that sense, I think that what characterized me uh, in, is about the commercial mindset. So that's what I've been working with for the last 15 years in different roles in Timelock and in different stages of a company life cycle. So when I started, we were like 12 people, really small company, trying to figure out, okay, are we going to really go for it or are we just a small company doing it for fun? Right. Um, but luckily... We went, it, uh, went in with it and uh, took it for the long run. And it's now in a completely different stage. Uh, so it's been really interesting over the past 15 years to be in the different life cycles that you have 
in a company. Right. So I'll see. I'm checking your LinkedIn profile out, and you have nine positions here uh, on TimeLog. I, I can see. <laughs> <laughs> so quite a journey. Yeah, I'm also, uh, you can say I started in sales and then uh, I built up our marketing uh, and then our customer success and then our business operations. Uh, and then uh, about almost two years ago, we got an investor in Viking Venture. So we're part of a portfolio of around 15 other SaaS companies in the Nordics um, as a platform product in their portfolio. And uh, then we had to make some changes. And at that time, I had kind of three jobs. So I was both uh, head of marketing, customer success, and business operations. And then we looked into finding a new CSO. And then we were thinking about, okay, I started there. I'll go back. I'll start a restart again with a new investor. And then I took the job uh, internally as a CSO. Awesome. And it's amazing to see that journey that you've had, the time log journey. And I think you have, it's for a different episode, for a different podcast, but it's it's not everybody that has been head of both marketing and sales. There are usually two different type of profiles. Mm. So it, it's, it's interesting that you've done that journey as well, a couple of times back and forth, it seems like. Yes. But for a different episode. Yes, I'll be happy to talk about it. <laughs> but tell us a little bit more about time log uh, what your guys what problem you solve and what company you you target yes um time log is a professional services automation system as we call it um and we help professional services organizations which are consultancies uh, it can be it companies uh, it development uh, management consulting bookkeeping uh, digital marketing agencies everybody that actually has the human resource as their product you can say where they go in and have the hours and then they need to invoice it in different ways it can be on fixed price time and material and we are you can say the center in the organization for the basic time tracking but what we actually do is that we use that input data to go in and make analysis of well how profitable are your different business areas in the company the different departments what are your average hourly rate and so on so a lot of different KPIs and data that you can make strategic decisions stuff. And then we connect it to um, the financial systems, the ERP systems, and with the salary systems. And then we give data out to those so the finance department and the bookkeeping can work further with that data. So that was really short, what we do. Yeah, but um, how does it work? Do you have a, a product-led motion so people go into your website, start you know tracking time, or is it more that you sell to enterprises? Uh, and I mean, as you said, you can do a lot with the platform analysis and integrations and so. So, what does that look like? The go-to-market motion. Well, um, we have a different versions of the product. So we have a freemium where you, if you just need really simple time tracking. So if you're, for example, a one-person consultant that just want to keep track so you know how much to invoice your customers, then you can download that and get started. And then we have for the different maturity levels you have in a company, the way from when you're in a growing area, so you're perhaps not so mature in your processes. So instead of taking everything in at once and thinking you're going to change the entire world, then you can start bit by bit. But you can go into our website and download it and actually get started right away. And then, of course, all the way up to enterprises that has different legal entities and needs yeah, a lot of different uh, tracking. So it's a little bit more complicated. Exciting. So it sounds like there's lots of business for you guys to, to make out there. Yes. Let's put time log 
in a numbers perspective. What can you share with us on ARR, how fast you guys are growing, Mm -hmm. the amount of customers, where we actually find your customers? Yeah. So we, our main markets are, of course, we're a Danish company and um, then also Sweden and Germany. Um, we are, have around a thousand customers. Uh, and again, the customers we work with are PSOs. Uh, right now, our company has, since we got acquired by Viking Venture, we have, of course, also gone through a development. So we went from around 40 employees to around 90 employees right now. Um, and our strategy is also to go out and acquire uh, other companies to merge into our platform. It can be competitive products or it can be add-ons to our offerings so far. So six months ago, we made our first acquisition in Denmark, a local competitor, uh, and is now working together with them on getting a merge. But it's a long project, very exciting. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, right now we're looking really much into growing internationally. Germany is really something that we're focusing on because we see uh, the digitalization part in Germany. They need a system like ours. And now with the new laws around time tracking and so on. Yeah. So there's a fundament there. Yeah. So our ARR is uh, just below 10 million euros, but we are closing in on that that's our next you know target to look into so we can get above that line that's going to be great awesome well congratulations also on on your big first uh, acquisition here this this year uh, that's a nice mi- milestone so here's for ma- for many more yeah and i know that you guys have been growing like you said really fast the last couple of years you know you have the, the product market fit you have the, the local laws on your site it's just working out really well now. And I know that you've also been strengthening the team, onboarding new colleagues and so on. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today because one of the most common challenges we see in the SaaS world today is that people hire a lot mm. with mixed success as to how fast they get these new talents into production. Yes. So I know you've spent a lot of energy in, in developing a framework for Call it onboarding. Mm. That's what we're going to talk about. But before we go into the nitty-gritty details, I'm curious because I think it starts with the hiring process. Yes. Walk me through how hiring looks on your end. What happens? Yeah, it's an interesting question, actually, because um, we differentiate a little bit depending on the different roles we're looking for, of course. Mm-hmm. Um with our growth, we have done it internally, so we have not been using recruitment agencies for the last, last two years, uh, but a lot with uh, references, networks, um, to get, uh, actually, we give a finder's fee for our, to our employees if they refer to people we actually go in and hire, mm-hmm. um, then they, they get an iPad or Remarkable or something like that. Right. Because we really believe that you won't recommend someone if you wouldn't like to work with them every day and you will have to come back and if it was the wrong hire, you will say, okay, why did you recommend that person? So we And you have to return the iPad. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Within six months, if it doesn't work out, you have to return it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But t- tell me, Sasha, uh, how do you vet for two things? One, skill set. So if, if I'm going for a sales job, how do you vet that I am equipped to do whatever is required for me in that role and the second thing is that how do you vet for cultural fit uh, you could say with salespeople, at first if they can't sell themselves in an interview then 
we're in trouble, right? Because that's actually what they're going to do every day. <laughs> so, of course, I look very much also into the preparation because I look at it as if it's a sales process. So we have a very specific sales process in TimeLog about also what have you done of research about the company before and so on. So I'm trying to look at it at the same way. So if I'm the customer and you need to go in and sell the brand or who you are, but you also know need to know about me as the customer because you could do a lot of research online as well. Right. So it's actually quite interesting to to turn it around a bit like that and see how would that sales process actually be from their side going in and get me to purchase from them. So do you have them also, other than the interview process and they're probably meeting with you and with another hiring manager and so on, Mm. do they run cases? Do you run any type of tests or no? Um, For the SDR role, uh, we do cases. So they have to come in and do like if it was um, outbound cold calling uh, set up uh, again also to see what have they done of research to give them a, a true case you can say a company we would like to go in and, and do partnership with and then see okay how much research again have they done about the company and things like that and then we take as if it was a phone call just to see how nervous do they get because we all know to be in a job interview you are always a little bit nervous, right? Absolutely. But how do they tackle that actually to sit there and look at you while we do this uh, phone call interview? Right. Um, and we've had some where we thought, okay, on paper, it looked really, really good. But then when we came to the case and then we were like, okay, the um, rehearsal and the research you've done was actually disappointing and we've decided not to go with them. Right. And what if they, they you know, skill set wise, they, they prepare well, they do a really good call in this case, if, if it's an SDR. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, they're good at selling themselves. But h- how do you also validate that this person, he or she, will fit with the rest of the team? Is there another way of methods you're using there? Um, for some uh, of the things, we go in and we have disk profiles, for example, uh, to take that in. We don't do these extensive tests of math and so on, but sometimes we use the disk uh, profile, especially also in sales to see, because sometimes you have a preferred profile, but actually uh, last uh, last um, recruitment I did was one that was quite different from the others when I looked at the overview of the team. And then I thought actually was quite interesting. And what I also do always is that they have to meet one or two of their peers in the team, also without me to ask questions that they might not would like to ask me the first time, but then they also get a feeling of the culture. Mm-hmm. Then I get the feedback from the colleagues. Uh, and I must say, sometimes I have made decisions that might not have been the same as, as they have said, but I listen to what they say and get the feedback. And one of the things with this profile in particular, which was quite interesting, is that they were like, yeah, but he's really different from the rest of us. I was like, yeah, that's actually my point. And that this profile also shows it. But sometimes I need to try out to see if it can create another mechanism in the team. Right. So I decided to hire him in, and now they are all like, Wow. <laughs> okay, if you've listened to us, then uh, <laughs> so it's quite fun to see how you can get these things to uh, to work out. Edge cases can be great or a disaster. It's fantastic when it works out. Yes, <laughs> but that's sometimes you just need to test it out, right? What if you had you throw gold on the street? You don't want to do that. No, no, we don't. So you decided to hire someone. 
what happens next? Then uh, over the years here, we've tested a lot with pre-onboarding, as we call it. Um, so again, you will hear me say test a lot, but because that's how we view it. So we start somewhere, then we test it out, and then we work on it the next time. So you can say a lot of things will never be finished. I'll never have a completely finished onboarding process because it will change over time. But what we do is that um, at first there's also a difference. Does people come without having a job right now? So they have to be there until the last day and then they have to start with us. Or do they actually are unemployed right now? Because then they have some more time to prepare for getting in. Um, so we make a package where we uh, gather a lot of information about the company um, and the sales team. How, who are we? Uh, who's your mentor? Who will be your buddy? Uh, what are we working on? Also a little bit fun facts uh, about the team and so on. But then also some background information about PSA, PSO, as I talked about in the beginning. Not everybody knows all of these terms, uh, the industries we're working to go towards and so on. So they get some information that in the earlier years, they got it after they started. But right now I can just see that just giving them some articles about this, it just raises what the level of entries they get into. It doesn't have to be the first week where they get all of that information and their mind is just like, Phew, it's too much. Mm. Then they can take it in their own pace. And right now it seems like it's really working off um, in the way we do the onboarding. All right. So what, your expectations on a new hire i mean do you do a 90-day plan and they should do this and that or what do you expect from someone that starts working for you again we also just changed some things here because i remember when i sit down and i had new hires and then i went into their outlook and then i just plastered in all the different things they had to do every day from eight to four. So when they came, it was like, okay, now they're prepared. They know what to do. But <laughs> I have also tested over the years. It's overwhelming because you also need a little bit of breathing time. Mm. So I've changed it around now. So I have a one pager uh, where we look into what is the goal for week one. And what are the things you should have in your calendar? It's kind of a checklist. What are the things you can read yourself during that week? And then we actually work with it. With They get a mentor, another peer in, um, in the team that then actually owns the program together with them and makes sure that these things comes into the calendar. Um, and especially sales, you know, Days can change from one day to another. Meetings gets moved all the time and you need to be flexible. So it's working much better with that flexibility. So then we look at the first week, it's very clear. And what is the objective for that week? Okay, you need to understand what is a PSA and PSO, for example. You need to have done five calls. It's very basic. And then we go to week two, because you're still like a little bit trying to gather all about what is this about. And then I put in week three and four, and then we take month two, and then we go all the way to month six. But then I have a gap between month two and month six. But at month six, when we look at it the first week, they know, okay, in six months, this is what you actually expect of me, that I've closed the first deal, for example, or I've booked uh, X amount of meetings myself. I can do these kind of pitches. I understand it's part of the product. And then we can have a really good conversation about it instead of just going into the outlook and see what's in it. Right. That, that's really interesting. And I, I thought uh, when Thomas asked the question here, what's your expectation? Um, 
it also made me think, you know, if we go back a little bit, like how much can you expect for a new hire to do? How much pressure can you put on him or her prior to joining the job? Yeah. Because it's like, it's nice to say like, okay, here's a bunch of stuff, read up on it. Mm. As a company, we save time. But I mean, where is the limit where they will be like, what's going on here? They're not paying me and they want me to do a bunch of stuff. Yes. Uh, and of course, there's also always a fine line with that. And we are in dialogue with the candidates about it also um, to create some kind of alignment about what they want. But when we asked them, we actually have found out now that they wanted more than what we gave them initially. Mm -hmm. So we started out just giving a little bit. They actually came back and said, okay, now I've read this. It was really nice to be prepared about this and that. And then we said, okay, but then they probably want a little bit more. So we added a little bit more. And until I get a little bit more pushback, of course, I'm not giving them 10 books to read uh, in a month, right? right? But just before I get a little bit of pushback, I'm trying to find the line all the time. Mm. Um, but again, if they come directly from another job, we also have a dialogue about that. So if it's from one day to another or they have space where they're not doing anything and can prepare. Right. So, so it sounds like, you know, one, you recommend pre-boarding to customize the pre-boarding process based on that individual's situation whether they have a job or not the skill set the role they're going for and so on interesting yeah mm -hmm. and and i think one of the other things actually is that we have very clear role descriptions in time lock so really about uh, in that role we these are the responsibilities this is what you have of targets and all of these things and it's not only in sales but it's across the company and we share that with the person also all of it so they actually know what they're getting into. I think that's really important in the first alignment as well. So you know what it's all about and you kind of get an image of, instead of you just read a job ad, right? Right. That's also sell, selly. You want a person to be recruited. Yeah. But sometimes you also hear people, okay, but that was not what I expected. It said something there, but then when I entered, it was completely different from what they've told me in the interview. Mm -hmm. So we also use that to kind of align in the final stage. Yeah. This is it. Right. Which m makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Three ways to fail in sales. Brought to you by Memory. One, clog your pipeline. The fuller it is, the fuller you'll feel. Tip two, never use a plan. Predictability, eh, it's just boring. Three, forget the CRM. Probably sucks anyway. If you're ready to take control of your sales and make how you sell your competitive advantage, try Membrane for free today at Membrane.com. So how important is it that you have a background uh, within SaaS? Um, it's nice, but it's not a deal breaker for me. No. Is there other domain knowledges or so that is more important or is it... Is understanding the, the, the sort of the business model more critical? What I would really like and what we are trying to put a little bit more emphasis on is to see if we can find people within the industry we are targeting. Yeah. So we would really like to have a consultant, people that have been working as a consultant because they understand the daily use and they understand the pains and all of the benefits and so on. And that can help us in 
being better at what we do. Yeah, I heard somebody say ICP selling to ICP. There's nothing more powerful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you speak the same language, right? Right. I can teach them about software as a service. That's not a problem. Right, right. So uh, I want to like get some uh, tips and tricks from you now. Um, you talked a little bit about this plan. There's, you know, the, you split it up in weeks and then it, it runs up to two months and then there's a little bit of a break up till six months, but there is a plan. So for other leaders that are hiring and thinking about onboarding or pre-boarding and so on, what are the key elements that should be in that plan? Let's talk and define it into a sales role. I think that what is really important is to understand, I've kind of split it up in some different um, areas. What is the aim for me in the first week? Why am I actually been taught the things I've been taught what how is it that I should see it in the bigger picture mm -hmm. uh, and then what is the outcome of what I've been taught or what I've been through so kind of as a checklist okay now you can do these five things for example because that's what I can see that people really like is that they can actually feel some sort of accomplishment that they can check things off saying yeah I'm still confused after a week because everybody are a little bit confused because there's so much to understand. And then there's the personal relations, the culture, all of these things. Um, so for them, I think it's really nice to have this short checklist saying, yes, I actually, after one week, I could do this. I could do this. I understand this now. And then we have a dialogue. And if there's one of the things they can't check, it might be because a meeting has been canceled and they never really got the introduction. And that can happen, right? It, it goes fast in daily life. Then I also know, oh, we need to have that for next week. Thanks, uh, Sasha. Very interesting. So do you consider the onboarding period to be a six-month period for the specific role we discussed here? Or is it longer? Is it shorter? Like, when is that period over? What defines it as being done with? Uh, again, it depends on the specific role. For example, in SDR, we have what we say, uh, we try to keep it as short as one month ramp up time. Then we expect to be at a certain level. And then, of course, you can be a little more senior later on. But there's one month uh, within the sales reps or account managers or what we need to call them. Just hold, hold on one second. Does that mean that after one month, your SDRs will be producing as much as your SDRs that have been there five months or one year? Yeah, more or less. We're trying for every day we can cut down on the onboarding time. Right now we're testing it that we we know what weekly target we have for an SDR. Mm -hmm. And right now our newest SDR, he seems to be doing that in week three. Wow. And that's the first time we've been able to do that by really working on with each SDR. We've refined the onboarding plan every time we've had a new hire. Then we looked at the one pager. Then we said, okay, we need to switch these two things around. We'll try that for next time. So it's it's really in the detail we're doing. So, so how many meetings or how many sort of leads? For us, um, I want quality, not quantity. Yeah. So for us, uh, it's two meetings a day. Wow. But two minutes a day is uh, quite good. I <laughs> mean, that's that's 40 meetings in a month. Yes. So right now we're looking into, okay, can we from week four in week five after the first month, get them to have the 10 meetings a week, right? So we spend, and now it seems like we're on the 
the four weeks. We have a few more starting here the 1st of October. So we will refine again and test and see how it goes. Yeah. Wow. So, but, so it is a volume game though, like, because I think most companies that I've come across, obviously it depends on the business and so on, are, are happy if their reps can produce seven to 10 opportunities a month. So 40 is really great. Mm. So going back to the onboarding process a little bit. So who's involved? You mentioned that there is a mentor and so on, but who else is sort of a part of, of this whole process? Yeah. You can say we have kind of two onboarding tracks. So we have the official company onboarding track that the people and culture is behind, uh, which is the standard about the company, the strategy and introduction to IT, all of that that goes with that track. And then we have the special specialized area. So it's sales or product management or marketing and so on. We're responsible for the second part, right? Um, and here we find a mentor that we actually give this responsibility to train that person. But we are also, so they're responsible, you know, to make sure with the onboarding program that they can check the marks that we have done, all of these things that we expect in a process. Then, of course, the manager, uh, my team manager or me is also involved to make sure that they get a good setup and, and a good first period. So just to clarify, uh, the mentor, is that that has the responsibility to make sure that, you know, we can check the boxes, we're moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Is that different from the hiring manager, so the, the person this person reports into? Yes. Okay. Okay, so, so I will follow up here. So if you're an SDR, mm -hmm. is that another SDR or is it yes. team lead or so that will be your mentor? Yes. And you can say it also comes with experience. So for us to actually see, actually one of the things that is in the onboarding program after six months is that you can onboard a new colleague. Mm -hmm. That's a requirement that if it's down to one person all the time, then you can create a bottleneck. I want everybody actually to be part of it as a team because sometimes I also look at the personalities and say, okay, these two I think will be a really good match. And then they work together and have a weekly meeting to follow up on the plan and so on. Of course, it's my overall responsibility, but I just really see that both of the people are growing in that collaboration. Mm. And then at the end, they sit and look at the onboarding program and then they're allowed to make small tweaks in it based on both learnings and now the new one can use it on the next one i think that's actually brilliant because just like you said if i just went through the program i carry with me very fresh like that was really good yeah this was not so great so my new friend and colleague coming in i'm just not going to put him or her through the same pain so i'm going to adjust a little bit exactly yeah but at the same time sasha i have to ask you you might have a great sdr since we're running with that example here mm -hmm. but not as is not a great mentor or is not suited to onboard somebody because it's rather a big responsibility. You know, you need to deal with transferring skill set to this new talent, mm -hmm. but you need to also just make sure that emotionally this person is in tune. And I will differentiate. I, I know who will get the responsibility and not. And then they have other really good stuff we use for a project or something like that. So, of course, I also look into, as I said, the 
personal match and the, the competence level and, and do they feel comfortable about it? It's not everybody that's comfortable about it and that's okay. But normally I can see in my teams that I have a lot of people that are actually interested in it and think it's a really nice task to pass something on and they all want to <laughs> make an even better experience for, as you say, for the next person than for themselves. So they seek some kind of responsibility to always add on. But of course, I also make sure that they are together with a lot of different people. So they have to be, for example, in sales, they have to be part of everybody's sales meeting. So you don't get also the bad habits sometimes from one person because you're you're glued to that person. Um, so you get a different perspective overall. So what are some good versus bad ways of measuring this? You, if this works, you mentioned the hard number on the SDRs and maybe you have seen other similar things on the sales side, but is there other things that you measure in order to sort of see if it's a successful onboarding or not? Yeah, it's always a hard question, right? Because in sales, you always go back to the numbers. <laughs> um, yeah. But but I actually look very much also into the team collaboration. Do I see that there is a good match in how they collaborate with others? Um, are they good at getting feedback? Do they use the feedback? and then actually do changes based on that. Uh, are they proactive after six months? I expect them to just be a normal part of the team and take responsibility and speak out if there's something when we have our pipeline meetings or devil advocates or whatever we have in the team. Then I see them as equal as the others. So if I don't see that, that they can participate in these talks, then of course I'm looking into what is that. So it's very much... As you say, on the cultural part, also I'm looking into. And you talked about it before here about you know um, for someone that has been through this whole process that they can also then give back uh, to others that starts. And I feel that you have given back a lot here to the community. Talking about uh, your experiences and how you work, I think it was really inspiring. It it feels that you are definitely doing something right. Uh, with those results as well, really press, uh, impressive for the SDRs. And, um, and also, it, it seems like you have a lot of exciting things going on at TimeLog. So what is in the future for, for TimeLog now? I think the same as for all other SaaS companies, growth. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the main focus for us. But definitely internationalization. Right now, G Germany and, and Sweden are huge topics for us um, and we've been in Sweden for many years but we want to grow even more okay. and Germany is uh, quite new for us but we think there's a huge potential so we're focusing a lot um, in that area it's our neighbor do you have people on the ground in Germany no nope. we've centralized it here from Copenhagen and the same with uh, with Sweden all right so uh, I have uh, German and Swedish people here at the office okay so is there anything particular you're looking for if if anyone if any one of us would be like a, some kind of a magical genie that would be able to grant you a wish <laughs> what would that be oh if it comes within the recruitment part i would really like to have even more bilingual people it's a huge advantage also in sales that you can have people that can back up in different markets so i have People here in Copenhagen then can both speak, uh, speak Danish and Swedish or German and Danish. So you're not that vulnerable. 
So you always have backup on the different markets. So if it's within that area, I would really love even more people of that because it's tough recruitment out there right now. Maybe there's a bunch of bilingual people listening to this call. So if you speak Swedish, Danish, and German. And English. Then uh, give me a call. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I know... uh, a sales rep I worked with that at least thought he knew Danish. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also had a CV once where there was someone he was uh, fluent in ten languages. Okay, and including Danish. And then I started speaking Danish, and then no. Turned out it was yeah. only nine <laughs> languages that he was fluent in. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and uh, to end this off, a question that we always ask: uh, Is there anyone particular that you would like to see on the show, or a topic that you would like us to cover? Actually, there is. Um, I think also right now, also in the community, when we look at it, a lot of talk about ICP, ideal customer profile, um, has really taken us, don't say a buzzword, we've always worked with it, but it's really now, I feel I see it all over, um, and how to use that in lead generation as well. And uh, I know Kuno Islam from uh, Hintley, he has uh, plus 10 years experience within this area. And um, he has some really interesting thoughts about working with this area. Okay. Interesting. We will definitely try to get hold of him. I will be listening. <laughs> Very good. This was really insightful. And I listening to you, I felt like, where have you been all my life when I hired all those SDRs? <laughs> I, uh, I will be the first one to admit here that they did not produce two leads a day and they were not in full production after one month so uh, i needed you years ago yeah, but they were great anyway so <laughs> they were fantastic they were fantastic sometimes it just takes a little bit longer but it's still good yeah yes but uh, really nice having this chat with you looking forward to see you soon again and thank you for all your contribution to the community thanks for having me guys thank you take care now So Daniel, what's your takeaway from the show today? Oh, a couple of things, Thomas. It's, it's always nice that I get to go first here, but uh, <laughs> so then I get to steal all the, 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 the golden nuggets. Uh, yeah. I think one is uh, pre-boarding is, is here to stay. Yeah. It's not just that somebody is, is invented as a fun thing or to put more people in work and so on. No, it's, it's proven, it's scientifically proven that it helps the employee to feel more welcome and better prepared for their first day and it helps you as an employer to shorten the ramp up time. I actually have a couple of more ones but I'm just going to allow you here to see if maybe you thought one of these. All right and I don't think we're going to end up you know telling all our takeaways uh, from every episode then it's going to be a much longer one because there was a lot of good things here but what I'm thinking about is that I really liked that in the end of the onboarding, if that was the six month, you should be ready to take that role yourself to help another person go through the same process. I think that's that's sort of a good target to have going through the, this whole plan. So I really like that one. Yeah, definitely. Especially because she also said then that is how they keep the onboarding program fresh. If you just walked through it six months ago yeah. and now you have to help somebody else, you know what worked for you and what didn't work. Really smart. Absolutely, because you know that, that goes for everything you do. If you do it again and again and again and again, you get tired of it. Like It's like a musician playing the same song all the time. So um, yeah, as you say, it keeps it fresh. It does, it does. And there are some musicians that are already playing the same songs over and over again. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) All right. So again, thank you for uh, listening in. I hope you enjoyed the episode. 
and uh, well we are in Q4 I guess some of you are in budget mode some are you are chasing down the the deals for uh, for the rest of the year here uh, and uh, some of you are just looking forward to Christmas I don't know but uh, anyway we have a lot of things here that we're working on uh, as you might know we have our networks we have our CEO network that during the year has had 125 Nordic B2B SaaS CEOs and we also have a an executive network with leaders within nine different disciplines it's sales it's marketing product customer success and so on and so on and we are planning for version 2.0 of those networks for next year and if you're interested in applying for those you can go to the sasnordic.com website and uh, click on communities and you can read about the networks and apply and uh, yeah there are some requirements but you can read about it there and another thing that we are starting to plan for is Sassiest 2023, our big in-person event in Malmö, Sweden. So what can you tell us about that, Daniel? Uh, that's going to be really exciting. Uh, we decided, like you said, to, to host this in Malmö again. It's in April, April 18th to 19th. So if you're listening to this and you were part of this last year, now you can start buying tickets. If you're interested in, in helping us create this as a, to be a great event, there's sponsor availabilities, submit your speaking suggestions and so on. But once again, we're going to focus on the how-tos. We're going to bring 1,200 people. We've decided to increase a little bit from 1,000 people last year. We're capping it at 1,200 people. This is an event where everybody's welcome, but predominantly it's for operators. So if you're running a department at a SaaS company, if you're an executor at a SaaS company, this is the event for you. And we're going to focus on sessions and tracks that teach you how to be better at your particular job, how you become a better individual contributor or leader or what that is. Because if that's the case, then you're by default also going to be a greater asset to your company. So that's, that's what's going to happen during those two days. We're also going to take it up a notch when it comes to some of the networking and social activities. I don't know how much we can tell them, Thomas. Yet. There will definitely be more social events and side events around uh, CSS as well. And if you have any crazy ideas, uh, you can reach out to us and uh, we'll make it happen as well. But uh, on that note, thank you for listening in today. If you like the show, we would appreciate if you go to Spotify or iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as they say nowadays, and, and give us a five-star review. And we'll see you soon. We'll be right back with another episode. See you. See you.